Well, we are in a series called Follower, hashtag follower. And uh, this morning, I mean, I really believe we've, we've had church. I mean, we've prayed, the uh, sick are healed. Amen. We're just, some, some of it, we're just waiting on the manifestation, but the healing's already done. Peter said, by your stripes, we were healed. So it's already done. Amen. And so we've testified, we've sung, and we've done a lot of things. But I just want to give you a little exhortation this morning. Is that all right? Uh, we're in this series called Follower, hashtag follower. And we've, uh, we've kind of borrowed that or stolen that little logo from the, you know, all the social media, you know, Facebook and uh, Twitter and what's the other ones? The, uh, Instagram, Snappy Chat, all the other, I don't know, she, there's about 10 of them that, you know, she's on right now. And every, you notice that every time the adults get wind of one, the kids just switch to something else. You know, it was all about Facebook, and then now all of us old people got on Facebook, so the kids, they don't use that anymore. They went to Twitter. Well, we started, I didn't really know what that was that much, but we started using that, and they went to something else. They went to Instagram, and then, but everywhere you go, I'm going I'm, I'm to be right there. I'm, we're going to find all of them. That's right. <laughs> I'm a, that's right. I'm a friend of my daughter on every social media. She might have one, but I'm going to find it if you got one that's out there. I want to know what's going on. <laughs> what, amen, right? I don't know what's happening, what people saying. <laughs> so we're talking about being a follower, a follower of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to talk a little bit about the if decision. All right, just exhort you a little bit. If you have your Bibles this morning or your iPad or your Kindle, iPhone, or some sort of device that you can get scripture from, uh, please turn in that book or device to Mark. <laughs> Mark chapter 8. All right? And we're talking about follower. Now, here's my definition, just to go over this, definition of a follower. Follower is a person who knows, loves, and serves Jesus as the supreme passion of life. And then here's where it gets a little sticky in this definition. Everything else comes second. Everything else comes second. So we're on a journey here. We're on a journey as we, we, we talk about discipleship and following Jesus. But in the midst of our journey, we're talking about different levels, different steps. So we talked about being an admirer of Jesus. That's the multitude. That's those who want to come around and see Jesus for who he is and what he's doing. And then there are those inquirers. Well, they have some questions. And, and they actually want their questions answered. Those are the inquirers. And then last time we talked, we talked about responders. They have a specific question that they want to ask and they want answered. And then this week we're going to be talking about followers. What does it mean to be a follower? And then we'll be talking about a reproducer. That's where we ultimately want to get to, being a reproducer. And so the last time we talked, we talked a little bit about being a what? A responder. And what does that mean? A responder, those people are people who respond to Jesus positively with an attitude that asks this simple question. They come to a point and they say, what more, God, do you want me to do? What more does God want from me? 
See, the admirers are those who stand off at afar. There's a crowd around someone, and they want to find out what's going on. Who is this? What's this person talking about? Uh, why is this crowd around this person? And so they come, and they come with the crowd, and they find out, well, it's Jesus, and he can do some things. He can. He's healed people. He's cast out demons. He's done some things. And so I want to be a part of that as well. You know, I have a sickness, I have, a, you know, something that's going on I need delivered from, so I want to go to Jesus. And those are admirers where they come to Jesus, maybe he can do something for me. And then you come to, and, and you come to a, a place where that person becomes an inquirer. Now all of a sudden it's more than just him doing something. They have some questions that they really need answered. I have some questions. How is it that you're doing this? Are you really the son of God? You say you're going to die on the cross. What do, is that literal? Is that figurative? What does that mean? You say that we, there's a covenant with God. God is a father. What does all of this mean? I need to know what that means for me. And not only that, I need these questions answered. You see, Nicodemus was an inquirer. He came to Jesus by night and said, how does this thing work? Jesus told him, and he said, wait a minute, I'm not just going to accept that answer. What do you mean? I go back into my mother's womb? How am I to be born again? And Jesus explained it to him. Inquirers need that question answered. And then the responder comes to the point where they say, oh my God, they realize, like Peter did at one point, like Isaiah did at one point, listen, I am no good in your sight, just like Paul did at one point. Now I realize who you are. I have a revelation. You have opened my eyes, and I see you. I see you for who you are. What more do you want of me, Lord? What more can I do? Okay, well... I'm going to need you to come in church, come to church and serve. Okay, I'll do that. What more do you want me to do? Well, I'm going to need you to read your Bible on a consistent basis. I can do that, Lord. I'll read it every day. What more do you want me to do? Well, I'm going to need you to pray because I want to be in communication with you. Great, Lord. What more do you? You see, a responder is a person who comes back and comes back and says, Lord, what more do you want me to do? But amazingly enough, a, res a responder is still not yet a follower. You might say, well, how can that be? This person seems like they're giving their life. They're giving their life. But I want to tell you something. When we talk about truly what a follower is, I'll tell you this. <laughs> be prepared to be shocked and amazed at the level of commitment that Jesus requires, come on, if you decide to become a fully devoted follower of Christ, you are going to be shocked and amazed at this level of commitment that God is asking of you. It's more than just clicking on a website to say, yeah, I follow you. It's more than giving the thumbs up sign. It's more than pressing a heart signal to say, I like that. I follow you. What we're talking about is the difference in a follower of social media and a follower of Jesus, the living God, the Christ, the one who was there when it all began, the one who breathed the breath of life in you, the one who died on the cross, not only for the remission of your sin, come on, but for the healing of your body, for the peace that he would give you that you might live an abundant 
and prosperous life. Jesus said, I would that you prosper even as your soul prospers. And we're talking about being a follower. I want to talk to you just a little bit about the if decision. In Luke 9, 23, I know I told you to turn to Mark, but this says, he said to them, if, 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 come on, if, if anyone desires to come after me, let that person deny themselves, take up their cross every day, and follow me. It's a pattern here. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Kill the flesh. Come on. And do it daily. Paul said, I die daily. Come on. And follow me. So we're talking here about the if decision. What does this mean? If. If. In the book of Mark, starting at about book of Mark chapter 8, verse 34 says, when we had called the people to himself, with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. Isn't it amazing? I know it is to me that when you look at some some disciplines of the world, whether it's sports, whether it's becoming a doctor. You know, if a person wants to become a doctor, they have to go to many years of school. They can't just graduate from high school, hang out a shingle and say the doctor is in. I mean, they can do that, but I doubt if they get very, very many clients. And if they do, I doubt if very many clients make it. Come on. Nor can you complete four years of college, get a bachelor's degree in biology, hang a shingle, and say, I'm a doctor. No, it doesn't stop there. You have to go back, and you have to spend many years in school and in residency, and it takes a dedication. In fact, it's difficult to have relationships during that time. Why? Because this discipline is taking all of your time and all of your focus if you want to be not a good doctor, if you want to be a doctor, period. It takes some discipline and some focus. If you want to be a good basketball player like LeBron James or if you want to be a good football player or whatever the sport may be, it takes some dedication It takes some discipline. It takes some sacrifice for you to be able to achieve the level of success and the level of expertise that you want. You're going to have to give some things up. You're going to have to deny yourself in some things. You're not going to be able to go out with your friends as much as you would like to. Come on. You're not going to be able to eat the way you want to and the way others eat sometimes. Come on now. It takes some some discipline. It takes some sacrifice. Isn't it interesting when it comes to following Jesus, what we do, especially in the Western world anyway, what we do is we sort of lower the standard. 
And we say, well, you know, to follow Jesus, you just, you just come to church and, you know, you just sing a few songs and you just say hallelujah a couple times and you're following Jesus. Well, responding to the call of Jesus, confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus that he is Lord, and believing in your heart that he died on the cross for your sins, and he rose again on the third day, will get you into heaven. It will. That will get you to heaven. Okay? You're, you're saved right then. Now, there's some other things. He says, you need to continue in my word. Now, we won't get into that this morning. But that does not make you a disciple of Christ. Saying the words and believing in your heart doesn't make you a disciple. I doubt very seriously that when we lead people to Christ, and it's a great thing, we must do it, because everything starts there. Everything begins at the cross. Without the cross, we have nothing. So do not think I'm diminishing the cross by any means. Everything begins there. But I doubt very seriously when we lead someone to Christ and they accept Christ that we're really thinking about discipleship. No, we're thinking about salvation. We're thinking about them giving their life to the Lord. But how many know there's more? There's another step to it. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He didn't say that I come so that you can get saved, die, and go to heaven. Come on. He said, I come that you might have life, that you might live life. While you have breath in this mortal body and live it more abundantly. And to do that, we are going to have to be a disciple of Christ. There's more to it, folks, than just saying, I want to be a disciple. There's some things we have to do. Come on. He says, anyone who intends to come to me, anyone who wants to follow me, must deny themselves, take up their cross, and then follow me. You see, salvation costs nothing. For by grace you are saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the what? Gift of God. But following Jesus will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. But here's the kicker to it. When you stop right there, it sounds like a doom and gloom. Boy, I just have to give up my whole life. I mean, it's costing me everything. It's costing me my friends, my money, my time, who I am. It's costing me everything. But in exchange for giving everything you are and everything you have to Jesus, he gives you everything he is and everything he has. And I guarantee you, everything he is and everything he has trumps everything you are and everything you have. Come on, somebody. And when I look at the two and when I begin to compare them, that's what we don't do. We only protect what we have. We're nearsighted sometimes. We only look at what's directly around us instead of getting the revelation that God, that the universe is in God. And he has everything. And that if we give up this little piddly amount that we have, this thing that we call our own life, right, our own accomplishments, our own desires, the things that we've done, give these things up to God in exchange for that, he will give us something so wonderful and so great we can't even fathom it. 
My cup runneth over, David said. So much so until I can't take it anymore. God, how much more can you bless me? That's what he wants to hear from you. But it hinges on this little thing, this if decision. Listen to Mark chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if, if, if anyone desires to come after me. John 12, 26. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Come on. We just read Luke 9, 23 and Mark 8, 34. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Come on. Take up his cross and follow me. You see, if is a suggestion word, but we have to be willing to take the bait. There's a choice we have. Now, first of all, we know that God infringes on free will. He will do that. Don't tell me. I've heard this said so many times, you know, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He'll never make you do something that you don't want to do. And I mean, that all sounds good, you know, and it sounds very nice. But when I talk to Jonah, I see a little something different than he never infringes on free will. When I look at Saul, who was killing Christians, walking to Damascus, I see a little something different than God never infringes on free will. There's some times in life when God will come and say, you're going to do this. And you can say no, and then you do it the hard way. <laughs> come on. Come on, parents. How many times have I said that? You know, we say it to our children. You're going to do this. You're going to cut the grass. I told my son, you're going to cut the grass. It wasn't a suggestion. I didn't say, oh, do you feel like cutting the grass? I mean, you know, I know you're doing Xbox, but when you're done with Xbox and, uh, you know, you've killed all the people in the halo and everything, uh, then if you might want to, you might think about cutting the grass. <laughs> no, it's, it's, well, you're going to cut the grass. I might give him 10 minutes. You got 10 minutes to finish that up. <laughs> And you're going to cut the grass. Now, do you want to cut it the easy way? Just go say, all right, Dad, yep, and go cut it. Or you want to do it the hard way? Put you in a headlock and give you a noogie. All right? <laughs> well, I don't want to be put in a headlock by God and given a noogie by God. <laughs> I'd rather just say, okay, I've been, it's happened to me. <laughs> I've been in that headlock. Come on, anybody else? I have. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, Come follow me. And the question is, will you say yes? So what are we talking about? Becoming a disciple. Discipleship is what we're talking about. You must be a disciple by following Jesus and his discipleship requires, his discipleship requirements before you can then turn around and make disciples. So you can't make something that you're not already. Come on. And so there's seven choices of fully devoted followers of Christ that I want to give you today. Seven choices that we need to think about if, if we're going to the next level. Come on, we've come to a certain point. We've all been admirers, been there. We don't want to give that up. We still want to be in awe and we want to love Jesus. We've all been inquirers. And I say it all the time. Boy, I tell you, when we get to heaven, I got, I got some questions. Got some questions, Lord, that I need answered. We've all been responders at one point or another. But if we're going to be followers, come on. First of all, there can be no reservations at all. There can be no reservations. 
See, Jesus says, if you have some reservations, you cannot be my disciple. And it's so true. You must engage your willing with the able because, first of all, you, some of us may be willing, but we may not be able. Now, you might say, hmm, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, without the Holy Spirit, we talked about it last week, Sister June did, you don't have the power to even witness for God. So we must respond first. This is why we have to be an admirer. Then we have to, we have to ask some questions. We have to be an inquirer. Then we must respond and say, Lord, what more do you want me to do? It's a, it's a, it's a tough question. Why? Because he'll answer it. <laughs> That's why. And he'll say, you need my spirit in order to be able to do this thing. And so first of all, number one, there can be no reservations. You can't have the cannot. Jesus says, if you don't do this, you cannot be my disciple. The one who loves mother or father, sister or brother, the things of this world, more than me, cannot, cannot be my disciple. You cannot do it. If there's any reservations, it's impossible. And this word cannot in the Greek, auk duname. You hear the word dunamis in there. It means power. We know that. It's a compound Greek word. And it means you just simply can't because you don't have the power to do it. If you have a reservation. Remember when the young man came to Jesus? Jesus said, hey, come on and follow me. And he came and said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me go back and bury my father first. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You take up your cross and follow me. It's because he knew what was in his heart. He was still holding on to some things. There could not be a reservation in your heart about following Jesus. You must be all in. Be all in or don't be in at all. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, he said, listen, I would that you be hot or cold. Don't walk down the middle. Basically, he said, I can't stand lukewarm people. Come on, you know the people that I'm talking about. Well, exactly, sis, just spit it out. Well, I really don't know. Come on, ask somebody, tell somebody, let's go to lunch after church. Where you want to go? Well, where you want to go? I really don't care. I can eat anything. Well, I don't care either. Where you want to go? You spend more time talking about where to go to lunch than you do actually eating. Now, we can do that going to lunch, but we can't do that with God's word. You either got to stand for it or be against it. You can't say, well, I understand. I love some of the stuff in there, but you know that whole dying on the cross thing, I really don't agree with that. But some of these other things I do agree with. Doesn't work. Can't be any reservations. And then when he talks about denying yourself, there can be no rivals. You can't have any right. There can't be anything that rivals what you're doing with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can, you can, you must discipline yourself to focus only on Jesus. Remove the clutter of the things of your flesh and the things your flesh wants to do. There can be no rivals. One of 
Elder James' favorite verses in the Bible, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. That means there's nothing like it. I killed it on the cross. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 3.3, for you died and your life is hidden in God. Your life is hidden with Christ. When you sing that song, I Surrender All, ask yourself a question. Do I really mean it? Or am I just singing some old hymn because it makes me feel good? Do I really mean that I surrender all, everything, my thoughts, my ideas, my ways of thinking, my worldview, my politics? Come on, somebody. Well, I surrender everything that I am for the kingdom of God and for Christ. Will you pick up your cross and follow him. And then you must take up your cross and there can be no refusals. That's where Jesus was saying, look, listen. You belong to me now. It's all me. You can't go back. No turning back. Come on. You must stand up and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The cross before me. The world behind me. No turning back. I have decided to follow him. There can be no refusals to what Jesus asks you to do. He knows best. And then there can be no retreat. You can't come halfway and say, okay, you know, that's it. The job that I work on, if you ever get promoted from craft to management, there's a six-month period of time that they call a retreat period. So if you don't like it, you can test out the waters for about six months. And if you decide, ah, management is not for me, you can choose to retreat. Or your boss can say, ah, management is not for you and can retreat you. But when it comes to following and serving Jesus, there is no retreat. Jesus said a man with his hand to the plow, looking backward, is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. You cannot turn back. I told you you're going to be amazed at the level of commitment that God is asking of you. Now listen, there can also be no regrets. You might say, well, I don't have a choice over my regrets. You do have a choice over your regrets. You can choose not to regret. You can do that. You can say, no, I have made the right decision. No matter what I see going on around me, no matter what the economy is doing, no matter what my friends are saying about me, there are no regrets in my heart about this thing. Come on. It's self-sacrifice all the way and you can do it number six is there are there's no resistance tell my son go cut the grass if he's playing xbox the first thing he says is why yeah one of these days i'm just going to come with a roundhouse like my mom i won't do that my mom used to do that though but if i if i ever asked why 
That was a question you just don't ask when she told you to do something. Now, it wasn't like I couldn't talk to her. If she, you know, if we were having a conversation, I knew, you know, when to ask why. But if she said, you know, you're going to clean your room, I knew not to ask why. Because, you know, you might get smacked. It's true. Can't do that much anymore. But I know hers was, hers was invisible and light speed. <laughs> Me and my brothers all be in the same room and somebody act up and you, you, here come a smack. You didn't even know somebody got smacked till you heard the noise. <laughs> and when you heard the noise, you just looked, you didn't even know it was you. You just looked around psh, and you looked around at your brothers. You didn't know it was you till they looked at you and said, whoo, and you're like, oh, you just got smacked. Well, we don't do that really anymore. Thank the Lord. <laughs> but there can, all, there can be no resistance. No resistance. What he says, you just do it. Boy, I would just love to get to that point. I'm still working on it. I'm still working. See, this is past the point of inquirer. Okay? When you were an inquirer, you asked all those questions. Well, what? Why? What, when? How did you do that? How, is it really? A, yeah. But now that you've, you've responded and now that you're a follower, you're past that point. Anytime Jesus says, do this, you say, yep, that's, I'm, I'm, thank you, Lord. I'm doing that right now. Right now. And you go over into obedience. And remember what obedience is. Obedience is not do, just doing what he says. But it's doing what he says when he says to do it. Come on, parents. How many would like some obedience like that from your children? Don't just do what I said. Do what I said when I say to do it. Come on, DeCristos. Y'all know that. You really want to love your mother? Do what she says when she says to do it. That's showing some true love. And then finally, now here, I, I, I told you, you're going to be shocked and amazed at these things, this level of commitment. But you know the payoff, folks. And we don't serve Jesus for a payoff, but I'm telling you, if you follow this plan to become a follower, you'll have everything, not only everything you need, everything you never thought you wanted. Did you get that? You'll not only have all your needs met, but he will give you everything you didn't even know that you wanted. He already has it for you. And he'll give it to you and you go, oh, I didn't even realize I wanted that. Well, thank you. No rights. No rights. You have the right to nothing. On your own and separate from Jesus. In other words, this is what I'm saying. You can't come into his presence and say, yes, uh, you know, I'm blessed and I deserve to be blessed because, you know, of what can you say to say you deserve to be blessed? What can you say? What did you do to deserve to be blessed? What can you do? There is nothing we can do for God but to obey him. But listen, folks, if, 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 the if decision, if you do these things and realize that there are no reservations. There's no retreat, no turning back. Come on. No more questions. It's just all about doing what he says. And listen, if you do that, he'll answer the questions you didn't even know to ask. There's questions we have. We don't even know how to ask them. He's already got an answer for it. If we step across that line. And so here we come to a point in our walk in this series 
these series of messages, we come to a point where there's a line that's drawn. We come to a crossroads. It's not just about setting up the sermon series so that we can launch off and see what Jesus is going to say. It's not about writing down a few scriptures and then taking them home to study. I'm afraid to tell you that we've come to a point. There's a fork in the road. You can't stop and you can't go forward. You've got to either go right or you've got to go left. I hope you're listening to me this morning. I'm not just talking about those folks that have never given their life to Jesus. I'm talking about you and me, saints, friends. I'm talking about this. I'm not talking about going to heaven, okay? I'm talking about living the life that Jesus has called you to. We've come to that fork in the road today.